0: was it that came to Bethlehem? Who showed up all those years ago in a manger? Well, that is what we're looking at all week this week as our special celebration of Christmas continues. And this is Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor Phil Howard. Hi there welcome to the program. We would invite you to join us here in John chapter 1. It is through his eyes that we get a glimpse of just exactly who shows up in that manger over 2,000 years ago and why it's so important that we understand who is there. Please join us. John chapter
1: 1. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. It is amazing to me that we have to defend Uh, Intelligent design, as we call it, that we have to re—we're trying to rescue our kids from saying, "You go back to nothing, and out of nothing, something comes." We don't know what that something is. It might have been a big bang. It may be uh, just evolutionary process. The amoeba, one-cell organism, just grows. Uh, It goes through all these stages. We lived in the sea. Uh, We we walked on all fours. We lived in caves. Uh, we did all this stuff. And this is the educated view. For you know there was nothing back there. Nothing back there. It just happened. And if you need an extra billion years to justify the plan, I want to ask, I want to ask one question. Where was the science department a billion years ago? Where is the empirical evidence Where is the evidence under a uh, a laboratory? It's all speculation. It's all theory. I can't get rid of it. I'm not really trying. I'm just telling you what God said. I created it. I made it. I said it in Genesis, I'll say it again in John, I'll say it again in Hebrews, I'll say it again in Colossians, I'll say it over and over in the Psalms, I am a creator God that can make something out of nothing. That's why I can do something with you. I can take what you are, and as I found you, and the creator can create a brand new life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. God can do that. But if you don't think he can do it for the physical universe, how do you think he can do it in your spiritual life? Do not emasculate God of his power, his deity, and his attributes. He can do what he said he's done. He wrote a book to tell you what he did. So, moving right along. Five. I want you to correct this. The spelling is wrong on five. Uh, Without the word... Nothing, just eliminate the word not, could have been made. Everything was made by him. Then he goes on. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. When you read the book of John, life and light are used more in the book of John than I think any other book in the Bible. And when he's talking about life in the book of John... He is going to be talking about eternal kind of life. And uh, we'll look at that a little bit more. But uh, it's up to here. He said the, the word in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The old Latin word was he had a aseity. He had life in himself. We call it self-existent. Uh, Older theologians said, he is the uncaused cause. Have you ever asked the question, who made God? Who made God? How did he show up? And what he's saying here, I'm the uncaused cause. Nobody made me. See, you had to have a cause outside of you to make you. Parents. Procreation. And that's true of all all the universe. None of the stars made themselves. God takes credit. He said, I not only made the stars, I named them. Uh, But to be the uncaused cause, so this means the triune God, I have life in and of myself. Nobody gave this life because I'm God. I'm self-existent. I'm uncaused. I've always been around. I'm before anything ever began. I'm eternal. Uh, I'm having fellowship with God the Father from the beginning. Uh, Everything that got made, I made— And I and my Father and the Spirit are the only uncreated beings in all the universe. And later, Gnostic false teachers in the first century that John constantly was in debate with, they said Christ, being human, had to be less than God, had to have a beginning because he was human, and their view, matter was evil, so he could not be fully God. That was the Gnostic error. How can something God, spirit, immaterial, invisible, incorporeal, how could this God ever be touched, ever seen? God cannot be tangible. Yet John, 1 John 1 says, we've seen this God. We've heard this God. We've touched this God. He became where we can touch him. This is the miracle of him coming to earth. This God's been around all. He didn't begin in Bethlehem. The one that began in Bethlehem was a human nature joined to this person hanging out with the Trinity for all eternity. And He's going to step into space and time and let us touch Him, let us spit on Him, let us curse Him, let us kill Him. This is the miracle of it. This life is like light. Number seven, this life is like light, or life in manifestation. When we say Christ is the light, he's not a giant light bulb. He didn't come into the room and people said, oh, the light's so bright. They didn't do that. I represent God's life in manifestation. And I think that's the way, when we say walk in the light, are you walking in the light, if I ask you that? Well, what do you mean? That you have a light bulb or an aura shining around you? You walk with a miner's hat? No, no, no. Light is used of moral purity, it's used of a divine way of doing things. So we are called children of light. We're called to let our light shine, let our life manifest the life of God. So Christ was God's life on display, manifested given full expression. Finally, he says, this is the amazing thing, this light shines in the darkness. Once again, used in a moral, spiritual way. He's not talking about a city without pg e He's talking about man's lost estate, man apart from Christ. God says men without Christ are sitting in darkness. It's just They've never seen the life of God. The lights have never... You know, we use the expression, the lights have never come on. I don't get it. I don't see it. I know you don't. That's what we struggle with when I know people who hear me nearly every week and they're still unsaved. I think, what is keeping them from being saved? They're in the darkness. And unless God chooses... To remove the blinders, they will set under preaching and perish without Christ, because preaching will not do it. The lights have to come on. Have they come on for you? He said, "Look at look at a verse with me. Look at Second uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians, verse three. Second Corinthians four 3. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll know what passage the pastor's referring to. And even if our gospel is, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. I don't see it. It's veiled. We're talking Christ, the gospel. I don't see it. I don't get it. We know you don't. And we, what we Christians do, well, I shared the gospel with them. I, I took them through it. You know, they should have got it. You, Billy Graham, George Whitfield, or nobody else could make them get it. Watch. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of... Who is the God of this world? He offered Christ the kingdoms of this world, remember? It was a real temptation because he could offer it. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. By the way, very few people get saved just seeing the goriness of the cross. Making the cross gory and practicing patrioticism, keeping him dead. How bloody can we make it? Nailing somebody during Easter season on a cross and have the blood, all that. It's not the gore of the cross that saves, it's the glory of Christ that saves. He's not a gory God. The ugliness in him was a puffed up, beaten face. But let me tell you, he's altogether lovely. He's the loveliest thing in all creation after the cross. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Our young people say, if I follow Christ, you mean that's better than the thing I'm... Yeah. Who is the image of God for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hear me, hear me. Every one of you that are born again, I mean really born again, God did something as creative and as powerful as he did in Genesis 1.1. He spoke and the light broke through. The veil writ over your understanding of Christ in your perception. And then it was as though a brand new Genesis 1-1 happened. God said, let the light shine in. Let's see who Christ is. And you were born again. This is a divine creation. The church can't make it happen. The choir can't make it happen. I can't make it happen. Only the Spirit of God. And if God so chooses, he could see that I preach another hundred years here and nobody be saved. Because what the church ought to be praying for is the Spirit of God to do what teachers and preachers and all the rest of us cannot do. Only God could speak that word. Let there be light. Let there be light. And God's got to speak that word to your children or they won't be saved. You can drag them to this place all their life. It won't make them saved. Keep them in every youth program. They won't be saved. The light has to shine through, and we've got great competition. The devil blinds people. And according to Matthew 13, he will steal all the gospel seed we sow today unless God thwarts his activity. As he comes to snatch the word, and all of a sudden you go, you start watching a ball game on TV, and he says, I was touched some way. I've seen people, they've been touched but not changed. They wept. They were, it's an emotional service. They were this, have you followed Christ? No. But I go down there, I cry all the time. I have people say that. It's a great church to have a nervous breakdown in. It's so emotional. And did you know you cry a lot, never be saved? You cry when you've been notified your husband's leaving you. Emotion doesn't save you. It's seeing Christ, receiving Christ, believing in Christ. And he said, the darkness, there's a debate here over this word, has not overcome it. It's used two ways. Overcome means they have not been able to defeat this light. They have not been able to turn it off. No matter what men do, this light keeps on shining, and that's the ESV translation. Do some of you have it translated comprehend? Any of you okay? That's the other idea because from the Greek word you can do it. It sees to grasp with the mind. The others, the darkness has not been able to comprehend it. That's the other view. They they don't get it. They don't understand it. Hey, who this person is? They can't see it. They're in darkness. I don't get it. I need more information. You need to be better at apologetics. I need more arguments. How many fingers do you have raised? Somebody raise a few fingers. I don't see it. Come on. Maybe you need to raise more. When I'm blind, and he said we're blind, until God speaks the word to rent this mental intellectual, volitional curtain over us, we will never see it. It's an IQ thing. No, it's not. We have seven-year-olds getting saved. Not saying that they're not, they don't have normal IQ, but I'm saying the child can get it. And over here, a PhD misses it. What's going on? Is this an IQ test? Everybody that's brilliant gets to go to heaven. Well, he's going to leave a lot of us behind. I've never been nominated for brilliance. Unless you become like a child, you can never enter. So, this life that was in Christ, it cannot be defeated or overcome by men or Satan. And alternate understanding is not comprehended by those in darkness unless God says, let there be light. So, our creator, self-existent, eternal God, says in the book of John, the book of John was written. Let me give you, not many books leave the understanding to the book at the back of the book, but look at John 20. This is why we tell people for years, read John, because of this purpose for the book. John 20, verse 30. Are you there? Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. John mentioned seven to eight, so there are many others, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may... That Jesus is the Christ. Now, let me say this. Don't talk about just christ must was telling me, in the Muslim world... And in the world of religious debate, they'll talk to you all day about Christ because it's like a prophet, the anointed one. It's an office. The offense is when you say, Jesus is the Christ. And a lot of language is going around, I believe in Christ. Who do you mean by Christ? Do you mean Jesus that was born in Bethlehem is the anointed Messiah of God? Oh, no. I'm just talking about there is one coming. Messiah, a prophet. No, no. No, no. We believe that in believing you will see that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God, which is a claim to equality. And that by believing you may have life in his name. You know what? The only thing standing between you and heaven and hell is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing in who he is. And once you believe in who he is, he can't be less than what John says. He's the son of God, the word, the eternal self-existent creator God, who in the book of John goes to the cross for you. Believing in him gives you the gift of eternal life. And I wanna say this. Uh, Eternal life does not mean just duration of life. In the book of John, he says, eternal life, 17.3, is to know me. So he qualifies that eternal life is more than duration. I think Satan lasts forever. I think those who follow him last forever, but they don't have this kind of eternal life, the kind of life Christ had, uh, this fullness. This, we don't become gods, but we begin to possess that quality of life that's only found in God, peace, uh, joy, uh, of course, to live forever with him, to be in heaven in a divine environment like paradise that we lost was meant to be. When you receive Christ, you're going to get something more. You know, if you told me I'm going to live forever, but it's going to be in a hospital, I wouldn't be interested. I want to know what I'll be forever. Eternal life says, you'll be where I am. You'll be with me. You'll be safe. You'll be loved. You'll be held in my hands. There'll be no night there. You'll enjoy all the ramifications of what heaven's like in Revelation 21 and 22. This is who we're looking at who came at Christmas time. Next week, we'll pick up what the people said that were, around, that were contemporaries with Christ, who they said he was. We'll go take it from his birth. We'll take Anna, Simeon, Zechariah. John the Baptist, Satan, demons—right uh, on who they said he was. I ask you: Are the merchants and the uh, the master theme of our cultures to snuff out God the Son? They hate it that you put Jesus Christ in this holiday. They stole the holiday. It was the religious community that brought it. But is it not amazing? Hear me now. And don't get uptight. Isn't it amazing we've been better at selling a myth and a fable to our kids more than the Christ story? I mean, to think that what I need is going to come from the North Pole. Where did that come from? <laughs> and that a big fat man with a beard is the one that gives the gifts. Look at it, honey. I'm the one who gives my kids the gift. And I don't need a red suit. I mean, but we lie through our teeth and wonder, say, now, when you get old enough, we'll tell you the truth. What you ought to do is say, tonight, Daddy would like to read you the Christmas story. It's all a myth, but let me read it so you know it. Now, the next night, let me read you the one that's not a myth, that's not made up. And uh, is it not wonderful? Christmas is God giving us a gift. I like for our ushers to prepare. We're gonna close in a final song. And I wanna to say to you thank you so much for your commitments last week. We're trying to cover our payments for January, February, March. Those payments are around thirty three our mortgage thirty three thousand a month. The commitment cards that came in, you committed thirty eight thousand a month. So if they come in, we will surely meet the mortgage and what a divine, wonderful thing. Let me say this. If our offerings the rest of this month stay like they were last week, we will uh, wind up for our first year in probably 20 years from April on when we appealed to you and you gave so freely and so generously. From April on, it's been the first time in 20 years that this church has been in the black through all those months because of your generosity generosity and your kindness. We, we thank God for you. We know these are perilous times for finances and homes, and everybody needs your, your money. The rescue, they need it. We need it. There's nobody that supports us but you under God. And so we just want to say thank you. Don't become weary in well-doing. Please, please do it. We don't want you writing a check and throwing it in the coffin. You can't do the corpse any good. Do your giving while you're breathing, while you have an income, while you can. The day will come where you might not be able to.
0: And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. And again, even if it's a simple thank you for the broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. It's always a delight knowing that these programs are being used by the Lord for your growth in Christ. By the way, we do have a couple of events on the calendar that we'd love for you to be a part of. First and foremost, our Christmas celebration. That is the 24th. Just one service Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And then our candlelight service at 7 p.m. And then for New Year's Eve, we have a single worship service at 10 a.m. And then a concert and New Year's Eve party at 8 p.m. And again, it's all here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Information can be had by calling or stopping by our website for more information. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. As you stop by, don't forget to drop us an email. And take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth in Christ. Again, it's all there at truthfortodayradio.org. As you contact us, would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us financially? We're able to continue the radio ministry through your generous financial support. And whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly donation, no size is too small or too great. We'd love to hear from you and know that you are partnering with us for the furtherance of the gospel. So contact us today at 855 833 9864 or stop by truthfortodayradio.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard. That's
1: it.